can we can I go back to because I, I I thought what you said was fascinating because you called it bull when you said people can't you know pull themselves up. Do you think that race plays a part in wealth dis distribution or either a mindset that you can't today? Or cannot? Yeah. No. You don't. No, I don't. I know. You and I, we're proof. Why would race have anything to do with it? Stick your, put your mind to what you want to do and go for that. Uh, it's kind of like religion to me. It's a good excuse for not getting there. Hey folks, SH1T coming to you live. Took the last week off for obvious reasons. Uh, enjoy the encephalic ramblings or musings about the current events that are going on. Uh, I definitely go down rabbit holes, jump back and forth. So, well, it is what it is. We've had this conversation before, uh, 2015, and they do it better than I do. So that's how I'm going to start it. Uh, let in with Morgan Freeman, classifying what made sense to me. And then here's Larry Elder and Dave Rubin in 2015, doing the exact same conversation that we've had before. Tell me what you think the most systemic racist issue is. What is it? Well, I would say that because black people in most cases, in many cases, were descendants of slaves, that racism as a as an institution, that it just, a certain amount of it just exists. 2015? I, it, that give, give me the most blatant racist example you can come up with right now. Um, I think you could probably find evidence that, in general, cops yeah, yeah. are, that, that cops are more willing to shoot if the uh, perpetrator is black What's your data? than white. What's your basis for saying that? Last year... The well, look, I know a lot of people would say, look what's going on in Chicago. I, I, I know what they would say. Yeah. I'm talking about what the facts are. 965 people were shot by cops last, uh, last year and killed. 4% of them were white cops shooting unarmed blacks. In, in Chicago in 2011, 21 people were shot and killed by cops. Uh, in 2015, there were seven. Uh, in Chicago, which is a third black, a third white, and a third Hispanic, 70% of the homicides are black on black. Uh, about 40 per month, almost 500 uh, in the, per year last year in Chicago, and 75% of them are unsolved. Where is the Black Lives Matter on that? The idea that a racist white cop uh, and shooting unarmed black people is a peril to black people is BS. It's yeah. complete and total BS. And, and the reason for these so-called activists saying this is because of social justice. This Pure, is purely because, because of, they want ultimately for people to be angry enough to just keep voting Democrat. That's right. And, and where's, where's the evidence of a lack of social justice? When a black uh, suspect is killed by, by a cop, believe me, the media's on it. People are watching it. Uh, and, uh, and justice will, will, for the most part, occur. In Baltimore, where Freddie Gray was killed. Uh, Freddie Gray died in a van. I shouldn't say was killed. Died in a van. Yeah. You have a city that's 45% uh, black. Uh, city council is 100% Democrat. The majority of city council is black. The top cop at the time was, was black. The number two cop was black. The majority of the command staff is black. The, the mayor is black. Uh, the AG is black. Uh, and yet here we are talking about racism. I mean, it's, it's absurd. Yeah. It's absurd. So it's funny, I find myself caught in between this a little bit as a liberal where I want to always try to defend the other. So in this case, the other being black people, I w I'm always sympathetic to that. And that, uh, yeah, yeah, at the same time, I hear you laying out a pretty solid Well, uh, these are just the facts. I'll tell you something else, too. There was just a study, uh, uh, University of Washington, uh, and it turns out cops were more reluctant, more hesitant to pull the trigger against a black, black suspect than a white suspect. Uh, probably because of the fear of being accused of racially profiling and the fear that the civil rights establishment was going to come down on him. So if anything, uh, whites are more likely to be shot by a cop under, under certain circumstances than a, than, a, uh, than a black person. And in the last 30 or 40 years, 
the number of percentage of suspects killed by cops who are black has declined 75%. However, the percentage of whites killed by cops has flatlined. Yeah. And so, if anything, people are more concerned about shooting black people for fear that they're going to be called racist. And almost all, every one of these incidents, whether it's Eric Gardner in, in New York, who died because he was selling Lucy's and resisted arrest, whether it's Tamir Rice in Cleveland, who was twirling around the gun, whether it's Michael Brown in Ferguson, uh, who had just uh, committed a ar strong-arm robbery, almost every one of these incidents involves somebody resisting arrest. Why don't you just do what the police tell you? My dad said, when I get pulled over, have my hand at 10 o'clock, have my hand at 2 o'clock, say yes, sir, say no, sir, make sure my paperwork is in, in order, and if I feel the cop is uh, mistreating me, get a badge number and deal with it later on. If Jesse Jackson and Al Sharpton and Obama and the whole group of them told black people to do that, we'd have a lot fewer of these things uh, to deal with in the first place. Yeah. All right. So I'm, I'm with you. I, I'm hearing a lot of what you're saying here. So as a black conservative, then, who now you've you've laid out your case there, but you haven't laid out yours. I so, asked I asked you to name the most important uh, example of racism, and you gave white cops going after black people, and I and I told you gave you the facts for that. So that's nonsense. So you must have something else. What else is it? If you think racism well, remains a problem in America, give it to well, me. Well, I think it remains a problem. Give it to I, it's me. Not, it's give it not, to me. It may not be systemic in that we have. It's not like you're not being hired because you're black. There's no systemic reason, you know, legal reason that that exists. That kind of thing. But I think that racism as a general uh, I need some, theory I need exists. Some, I need some specifics. You gave me the white cop thing. What else? Give me another example where you think is a problem. Well, well, as a black conservative, tell me, how do no, no, you, you, how do you, you get people to you're, come around? You're, you're the one who yeah. made the assertion that you yeah. think racism remains a major problem in America. I asked you to give me an example. You gave me white cops going after blacks. I, as far as I'm concerned, you didn't hold it up very well. What's the other argument you have? What's the other thing? Well, I don't know that it's systemic in that in the sort of macro sense. I'm not, I'm not mad. I, yeah, I, no, no, no. I just want to know what, what it is you're, you're talking no, about. No, no, I, that, that's exactly what, that's, yeah. well, believe me, that's 100% so, what so I we wanted can deal to, what, to what have you Blacks here. are not getting into school, BS, that we have a race, we have affirmative action. So a black person with, a, with an SAT and a GPA uh, of, of X will, will get into a school faster and easier than a white person with an SAT uh, or a GPA of X. And if going to, going to school is a route to the middle class, you can make an argument that blacks have an easier route to, middle, to the middle class. If you're talking about, uh, blacks, uh, about poverty, um, the poorer you are, the more accessible loans and grants are for you. Uh, the, 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 the problem, the, the biggest burden that black people have, in my opinion, again, is the percentage of blacks, 75% of them, that are raised without fathers. Uh, and that has every other social negative consequence connected to it. Crime, uh, not being uh, able to compete economically in the country, being more likely to be arrested, that's the number one problem facing the black community. And when I hear people tell me about systemic racism or unconscious racism, I always say, give me an example, and almost nobody can do it. So I held my tongue because I couldn't quite put my finger on what was going down. Was I racist? Is America racist? And you know when somebody just outright outlandishly lies in your face and you're just taken aback by the statements that are made by people? And it's kind of um, uh, what was going on. I made the, a fatal mistake of like reaching out and engaging people on social media, which you should never do, and tried to uh, you know use facts, statistics, logic, truth. Uh, to talk to individuals, and it, it didn't pan out, it didn't work very well. Uh, got quite heated, as you would know back in the uh, previous podcast. Um, and I, I couldn't figure out why. Like, why were people so attached and so stuck into it? And if you go back to the very opening, and I'd uh, heard somebody uh, pull a take on it, it's a religion. 
And that made all the sense in the world to me uh, when I heard that concept to go through. And uh, it didn't really didn't really take when I'd heard, because I'd seen the Morgan Freeman, uh, Don Lemon clip before, but it, 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 I guess that was kind of bypassed or, or, or skated over, that it's literally a religion. And I'm just as guilty as they are to have a religion. Every, and that's the, that's the thing you kind of miss and misunderstand. Uh, everybody fills the void. So we, if you don't go to church, you fill the void with some other god. And the god, the malevolent god of BLM is racism. And the god that I use or, or look to is statistics and the truth. Um, and and not, I'm not saying that I'm righteous or anything like that. But I look to statistical facts as my god. So I need, in order to validate whatever's, whatever's going on, I need to pull back and see, like, I need to see numbers. I need to see, like, it makes, like, anecdotal, you're not going to do that, anecdotal. And I, uh, what Dave Chappelle had a best comedian by far, one million percent fantastic comedian uh, above all others, better than Pryor, better than... Uh, Burr, better than Carlin, like he's, it's, it's, it's Bill Burr, or sorry, it's uh, Dave Chappelle and everybody else, and he got a, and then a, I got on an eight-minute soapbox set, and I disagreed with a lot of the stuff he said, but the, which is totally fine, he's a comedian, he can say what he wants, but it was all anecdotal, and that's, that's what every, everybody pieces out. Um, here's an anecdotal um, spot from Little Wayne. At the age of 12 years old. I shot myself. I was in the house. Police knocked on the door. I was right there. They knocked the door down. Everybody jumped over my body to go get the guns and drugs and whatever they could find. It took one guy to stop right there and, and cuss everybody that hopped over me out. Like, what the fuck are y'all doing? They said, oh, no, no, no. We was going to see if it... What the fuck are y'all doing? We called the ambulance. A ambulance, do you not see this kid on the floor with this hole in his chest? Say, you, you drive. Pick me up. Brought me to the hospital. He didn't drop me off at the ambulance and say, you take him. He brought me to the hospital room and made two and stood there and waited till the doctor said he's gonna, he's gonna make it. He said, don't worry, my name's Uncle Bob. He was white as snow. Them motherfuckers that hopped over me was blacker than me. Was he a cop? Yeah, he was a cop, and my life was saved by a white man. I don't know what racism is. I know a good motherfucker named Uncle Bob, though. So if you just use that anecdotal story or other of the 375 million interactions in 2019 that the police had, you're going to find a lot of anecdotal and statistical evidence that the narrative and the information that's being passed along is not true. It is tragic. It is sad. And I, everyone agrees. 99.9% .9 of people agree that George Floyd's death was fucking horrific, and that Chauvin guy needs to be fucking sent to the death chair. Like, needs to happen. Um, and for those point one of you that don't believe that, you need to be ostracized from society. It's as simple as that. You're not somebody that needs to be engaged with. But um, you can use anecdotal stories all the time, and that's the most powerful movement and most uh, convincing part of the argument on the other side. The, the malevolent god of racism explains everything. Um, every inequity is racism. And the, you're, you're hearing this term, uh, systemic racism, everything's racist, blah, 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 blah. No statistics bear this out for you. Um, there are some troubling uh, things going on in the states. Nothing's perfect. Very true. But police brutality is not one of them. Uh, the, the Larry Elder conversation in 2015, um, 
now the, the statistics are even more skewed in towards not being in favor of po- police brutality. And any normal or sane person would tell you that. They can point to anecdotal stories all day. Um, just one happened, happened just this weekend, the Atlanta shooting. Um, and even that decision tree is a lot of things uh, to engage in. Should the guy have died for sleeping outside of a Wendy's? No. Like, and that's the, that's the story you're going to see from the New York Times and CNN. Unarmed black man shot by cops. Well, if you dig into the story, and you can take that for face value, right? Of course. The cop's racist, right? Because he shot a black man. Was it a white cop? Was it a black cop? Who, who the fuck knows? I don't know. I don't care. Um, cop, shoots, cop shoots man, right? And, that, and that's one thing I, everybody's got to get better at is stop using the uh, uh, ethnicity label. Um, it's good for studies, but uh, yeah, America's got things to work on, but police, pr- police brutality, uh, police reform, yes, maybe, uh, but police brutality... Like, you cannot live in a zero-defect world. This is not going to happen, especially if you want to enforce crime and keep economic development and everything going on. But I digress. Like I said, rabbit holes. Uh, In Atlanta, uh, a man was sleeping in a Wendy's. Uh, The police got into him. He was having uh, sobriety issues, Uh, stole a taser from a cop, or got a taser away from a cop, ran away, turned around, put the taser, or, or I guess pointed the taser, according to the cops, at the uh, cops, and the cops shot him. And the, the headline is, unarmed black man shot by cops. He had a taser. Um, if you've ever worked with the police, and any policeman can tell you, please go talk to them, that you always have to be, and that's the way they're trained, you got to be plus one. You always have to have the advantage. Uh, a bat, a knife, whatever. Uh, that Joe Biden said that stupid shit about shoot people in the leg. Have you ever done a low-light shoot at 15 feet? You can't hit, fucking hit anything. You're shooting center mass, and you're not shooting to to kill, you're shooting to disable the threat. That's what you do. So to, to fucking shoot somebody in the leg, it's just as dangerous as, like when you discharge a firearm, it's fucking dangerous. And you're doing it to disable a threat. You're not doing it to maim or kill. You're doing it to disable a threat. So if, in a cop's minder scenario, when a guy points a taser at you, if he hits you with the taser, then the next logical step for that person, if he's able to tase you, is he's going to take your weapon. Now, is the person going to run away or are they going to shoot you? Why would you take that chance or opportunity? Well, well, Seth, blah, 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 blah. Um, so should the, the questions you have to ask yourself, because there's, in no right mind would you say if somebody raises a taser to a cop, the cop can't defend themselves. You, you should not be able to say that. Like, and if you do say that, you're living in a fantasy world. Um, should the cops chase uh, suspects? That's a great conversation. Uh, should the cops go to Wendy's and wake up a sleeping person in the drive-thru? That's a great conversation, but I'm on the camp of, yes, they should, because you can't have petty crimes and misdemeanors uh, being, like, let go because small businesses can't operate. Uh, I said last podcast that if uh, you have a law on the books that says we're not going to prosecute or we're not going to pursue anything where it's $1,000, if somebody has a larceny or a theft of $1,000, then no small business can operate because anybody would go in that would care, and they would just steal $999 from you every single day of the week. And it's not legal or lawful to call the police. So, uh, yeah, you got to have these conversations about police reform. Uh, qualified immunity was a conversation uh, that it, that had been gone on. I'm I'm in support of qualified immunity, as it was explained to me. Uh, qualified immunity was that if the cop does the training that they're uh, if they if they work within their training, and maybe it's the training that's flawed, but uh, if they work within their training, then uh, 
then qualified immunity would would go would would support you. So and no cops would operate or no cops would work if you didn't have qualified immunity because if you could be civilly or criminally sued for any actions taken uh, against uh, with civilians in order to uphold or enforce the law, then nobody can be a cop. Um, if you step outside of your training, then qualified immunity doesn't apply. Um, but they, we've all heard, heard the stories of um, cops getting off. Uh, Breonna, T- Breonna Taylor is a, a fantastic example that you can point to where the cops appear to have uh, worked way outside the bounds of their authority, uh, exercised a no-knock warrant, and shot a woman uh, while she was sleeping. Um, debates about whether the boyfriend was dropping like dropping packages back and forth and doing whatever, but did they really need to ex- execute a no-knock warrant? To do that, I would say no. Uh, there is legislation in the Senate, at least being drafted by Rand Paul and uh, Tim Scott, I believe, uh, that is trying to address that issue. That's great, uh, great news. Uh, but Larry Elder points to you get social justice, you get accountability, um, you get all these things. And this conversation was had in 2015. Uh, in 2020, nobody can argue silently or with a straight face that America is more racist than it was in 2015. And nobody with, can argue silently or sh- with a straight face that America is more racist in 2020 than it was in 1960, 1865, 1776, 1619, whatever New York Times uh, bullshit you want to do. But police brutality is the least of concerns. Um, COVID's more of a concern than police brutality. But let's let's go to the numbers. Let's pray to God. Let's do let's do some Jesus stuff. Um, Wall Street Journal did a fantastic piece. And I apologize if I'm rehashing on a podcast, but it, it goes, or on a previous podcast, but it, it isn't very important to point to these things. Facts matter. And you've turned off because you want to worship your God of racism. Uh, so I will worship the God of statistics. Uh, Wall Street Journal, fantastic piece. In 2019, uh, of the 1,000 plus people that were shot, uh, 250-ish approximately were black. Well, oh, that's 25%. Oh, but it's 12 people. Like, blacks make up 12%. It's 25% of the people. Well, th- then you look. Larry Elder had the uh, uh, piece as well in 2015. The numbers are skewing even worse in 2020 against the argument against uh, police, br- police brutality. But nobody points uh, to a 31 May in Chicago, 18 people shot and killed. One eight um, people shot and killed on, in 24 hours in Chicago. All races, creeds, colors, and no BLM marches for any of them. It's just all about, it's about turning over the system. It's about flipping the chessboard over. It's about yeet. Uh, that's what it's about. It's a power grab. It's a religion. And they it's the religion of woke. And they just, you're supposed to listen. You're supposed to repeat. And if you don't, you're bad, you're sinned. And don't, like, just keep your head down, fist up, and repeat the mantra, Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter. Don't look right. Don't look left. Just worship the God of racism. There's a code. It's ever-changing and moving. The code's brought to you by intelligence and wokes. And if they can't interpret the code for you, then they've got somebody else that can do it for you. Right? They always bring in their black friend to explain BLM and, oh, defunding the police really isn't defunding the police. It's, you know, an 18-point plan to do this, that, and the other. Uh, You... And it moves. The goalposts always move. It, you would see. You see this. Uh, the Democrats kind of play this out. Uh, if you're listening to any politics and watching all that uh, fun stuff, but the goalposts always move, and it's never enough. Um, oh, tear down this statue because it's racist. Change these names because they're racist. But th- then they get the 54th uh, 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 Civil War uh, Battalion, which was an all-black garrison. 
uh, they defaced that one. They defaced a Lincoln statue. Lincoln. And abolition statues, they defaced those. So it, it's just wide-sweeping. It's 1984-ish. There's no other way to put it. Um, do whatever they say. Interpreters, intermediaries, like I said. Uh, media, social media, late-night talk show hosts bring in their friends and explain it to you because they're proselytizing, and they want you to to live in the religion of woke. Um, no forgiveness. Uh, pu public atonement rituals. Uh, sacrificial rites. All these things exist in the BLM movement that you see. Um, if you don't sing loud and long enough, uh, yeah, you, you're going to be the guy that goes to jail or gets thrown out or does whatever. Listen, repeat, just listen, repeat, and believe. One of the really fun things that I, I saw a couple weeks ago was that speech is violence. Um, it wasn't <laughs> the most hilarious hypocrisy uh, type thing. When the COVID uh, protests were going on, and, and particularly in Michigan, uh, where armed white people went into the Capitol, it was violence. Look at these violent protesters. Look at these terrorists. You would hear that in the media. But when actual rioting and looting was going on, it's like, nah, these pe they're mostly they're mostly uh, mostly peaceful, mostly peaceful protests. Um, the Chaz uh, uh, the Chaz thing that's going on in Seattle. Oh, it's a block party. Nah, it's just a couple people, hot dog vendors going out there. Everybody's having a great time. What, Chaz? What's going on? Huh. Antifa, what's that? That's not a thing. That's not a real organization. They don't really have anybody. To, there's, there's no organization there. Uh, but it's white supremacists you got to watch out for. Uh, Antifa is the KKK. They're, they are the same thing. So Antifa is to the left. The, the KKK is to the right. So it's the same, same concept. Uh, so if you're anyone that supports Antifa or you dress up as Antifa or you do any of that Antifa bullshit, you deserve the same rights as anybody that uh, supports and advocates for the KKK. That's, that's how I view you, and that's how I will treat you. Uh, silence is violence was a new one that uh, was kind of mind-boggling. You, If you stay quiet, and even if you just step back and think about what's going on, no, no, don't do that. You have to exercise the mantra. You better change your profile picture. You better, you better shout the words. Keep your head down and just believe. Don't think about it. Don't say anything. Just believe. Um, I saw a lot of that. We see you. I see you. Um, and it is. It's a substitute. Relig it, this religion is a substitute for meaning. It's people that have no meaning in their lives. Um, they have. No, they want something to be mad at. And so America's racist. And racism explains everything. Um, uh, income inequality? Racist. Police brutality? Racist. Uh, education system? Racist. Can't get a loan. Racist. Uh, didn't get that promotion. Racism. Um, yeah, it has nothing to do with anything else. Everything can be explained by racism. Um, and then I'm just as hypocritical. I look to statistics to explain all the things that go on. So call me. But that's the that's the funny thing. Uh, Jordan Peterson talks about postmodernism. And the one thing I drew from that is, is that... Um, there could be a superposition, right? Two people can be right at the same time, like, uh, or two true states can exist at the same time. So uh, there can be racism and there can be uh, America's good. Like th those two statements can be true, right? And nobody would argue with a straight face that racism does not exist in America. Um, systemic racism, no, that's that's a false, a lie. Um, but there is racism in America. So you can have these two superpositions. Uh, looking at each other in these two ways to view the world. So if you ac accept that fact, right, if you let people believe in their uh, malevolent racism, God, 
and you let people believe in their statistical God, and those are the two superpositions that you have, the way you find out which one is right is that you run this game back and forth and back and forth, and you run it until uh, uh, there's no end. So if you go to the statistical side of the house, it's basically Western culture, right? Um, America continues to trug on through all of our corruption, through all of our faults, and through all of our everything. Uh, we've created the most prosperous uh, society that anyone in history has ever dreamed of. Um, and uh, Winston Churchill once said that democracy is a terrible uh, government, but it's the best government that, uh, it's the least terrible government that uh, we've created. It's better than communism. It's better than collectivism. It's better than socialism. You can't even argue up that point. Um, so if you go to the Western culture and statistical guidance and you, you poke prod and use the scientific method to work things out and you seek the truth uh, and tell the truth as much as you can, that is the right way to go about things. And America has been created that way to go through. Cor like we have the corrupt, um, like I'm with you there, buddy. Uh, we have the corrupt uh, 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 Congress uh, with basically lifetime terms that they have. Average age in the, I believe the Senate is 58 or the House is 58, and the Congress is 62 or the Senate is 62. I believe the Senate 62, House is 58. We have a 77-year-old Democratic uh, uh, man challenging a 73-year-old um, incumbent president, right? That's what we have. Uh, and the Democratic guy has Alzheimer's, through all accounts, and that the Republican guy is a lie, lies through his teeth and a demagogue, right? Um, that's the system we're playing under. So when we, uh, one thing I suggested, and this is like a sky in the pie or a pie in the sky type of stuff, but something has to be done about the system that we have, um, like term limits uh, for Senate and Congress people, maybe term limits for Supreme Court justices, um, and we already have term limits for president. But the Congress and the, the judicial are a big problem. Uh, another person pointed at uh, uh, state sentencing guidelines for, uh, uh, you know, by race, which I hate being divided by groups, but yeah, for the purposes of study, great. Um, blacks were more likely to be destroyed when it came to state, state sentencing, not federal. Federal is pretty equitable. Um, but yeah, that, that's a big problem. Uh, one of the interesting uh, studies I saw was that you're more likely to get hemmed up if it's before lunch as opposed to after. So I'd like to see biracial um, before and after lunch, but uh, it doesn't explain a 23-year gap between a, a similar sentence between a white and a black man. So you can point to that state system all day, and I'm 100% with you when it comes to, hey, let's get rid of the racist judges or let's get rid of uh, uh, unequal sentencing guidelines in states. But when you argue that America is systemically racist, and I ask you to ask a point in a policy, and then you just fucking black out and your head explodes and you don't say anything, there's nothing we can do, right? The only thing we can do in that argument is treat each other like decent human beings and be just be decent to, and respectful to each other and understand that we both come from a place where we're praying. It's religious zealots, right? It's, it's Christianity versus uh, Muslims. And the only way we're going to coexist is if we respect each other and understand that we both come from a place of decency and humanity. So human decency and humanity are the only thing that's going to save us and keep us unified. But that's not what a lot of these people want. The anarchists assuredly do not want that. They want to flip the system over because of, you know, America's racist. And that's why the BLM movement and CAP is this, that, and the other is an embarrassment. Of course, Black Lives Matter, you dolt. But I'm not—you know who I explain things to, like a small child— 
my children. And I don't appreciate people trying to explain to me, like I'm a child, that black lives matter. Of course they do. But guess what? All lives matter. No shit, duh. But you can't say that, right? Because keep your head down, believe, obey. So you can't say all lives matter. You can't say green lives matter. You can't say white lives matter. You can't say brown lives matter. You just got to say black lives matter. Well, you don't get the point. Yes, I've sat and watched for two weeks, as everybody else has, how this thing has spiraled out of control. Um, uh, like Ted Bundy or the uh, Cliven Bundy, Ted Bundy, <laughs> uh, like Cliven Bundy did in Oregon where he took over a government building. And it was, it was in the news. It, they did some documentaries on it. But it wasn't really a thing, but everybody was like, oh, fuck, this has never happened before. Now it's happening in Seattle, and nobody's covering this shit except for the right uh, conservative media outlets. It's a block party uh, for some, right, for everything that's going on. Everything's hunky-dory. Uh, they, they put a wall up. Where's these are, these are lefties, by the way. They put a wall up. That was one of the first things they did. Where have you heard that before? They built a wall. Okay. Uh, they extort, they're extorting businesses inside. Uh, they built a co-op farm <laughs> and planted like three things of basil. Great job, guys. Uh, they're carrying armed weapons around. I thought fucking weapons were bad, and I thought the Second Amendment was bad. Um, the hypocrisy is astounding. Um, they, they threaten to blow somebody's brains out. Some guy's walking around with a bat enforcing uh, rules and regulations. If you defund the police, which that's what they say too, I'm not saying I want to defund the police. I want my 18-point plan to reform the police. Yes, we can reform the police, as I've talked about earlier, or that I'm running back down in a rabbit hole. But when they say defund the police, that's exactly what the fuck they mean. You could have a slogan, reform the police, just as easily as you can have the slogan, defund the police. And if you're trying to explain defund the police as this 18-point plan, shut the fuck up. No, you're saying defund the police. English words matter. Um, don't point to Camden, New Jersey either because all they did was rename city to county police and added 40% police. They went from 250 to 414 or something like that and crime went down. Well, isn't that amazing? More police equals less crime. Fantastic. And police do a great job. Um, there's always outliers. You can't be zero defect. But they've been progressing and going fantastic. Like, they've been doing a great job. But I've, I've been saying before this whole thing, they need standards. They need uh, PT standards. They need uh, annual qualifications. They need training. They need all this stuff. And they need to be, maybe they need to be trained to de-escalate. Or maybe society needs to be trained, like Mr. Elder said, to just shut the fuck up and listen to what they tell you to do. Because on the street, or what's going on, tensions are high. And that's not the place to argue or debate what's going on. Get their badge number. Get their name file a complaint against a, a, a civilian a complaint board that your local municipality or government should create, and then bad cops get discharged when they have 6 million complaints against them from civilian, or citizens or civilians. These are all reforms that can be done. Defunding is stupid. Like, property value has to go down in Minneapolis. The way you build an economy is safety and security at the outset, and you got to protect small businesses. You cannot protect small businesses with no police force whatsoever, and then people are just going to... Uh, leave. They're going to go away. And so what does that do? It creates these zones that are existing already where you can't levy property tax, you can't fund schools, and so you can't keep uh, people, uh, I guess, engaged, can't educate them. So what do they go? They run and do. They go run and uh, join gangs and sell drugs, which should be legal, by the way. Um, yeah, tons of problems. There's tons of problems in America. Tracking, racism, systemic, not one of them. Police brutality, not one of them. There are many, many problems. 
in the states. Uh, to go back in the history, um, uh, which I'm not qualified to speak on whatsoever, um, New York Times says that American history started in 1619. Shut the fuck up. I cannot believe she won a Pulitzer Prize for that. Go the fuck home. Uh, 1776, um, we uh, fought for our independence. And so you got to admire the Chaz people for that. They're trying to get their independence. They're pioneers, right? But it was a long struggle for 200 some odd years to get where we are today. And they're learning that and we're seeing it in real time, which is hilarious. Uh, 1865, slavery abolished uh, or civil war, whichever one it was. Uh, see, like I said, not qualified to speak on uh, uh, history. Um, but you say slavery, the original sin of America, and our, our historic past is terrible. Uh, I say civil war and paid the price. And then this goes to the argument about tearing down Confederate flags and everything like that. I, I think I agree that you don't need to have the loser side of the house on um, on soil. Like what, what sense does that make? But on the counter argument, uh, those who ignore history or forget history are doomed to repeat it. So what do you do? Um, in Germany, they have Auschwitz and Dachau still up, running. They don't rename them. They have them right in your face, um, reminding the Germans every single day what happened in World War II. And they actually have field trips, and every single uh, elementary school class goes to either Auschwitz, Dachau, or some sort of concentration camp uh, in Germany. That is a fantastic uh, thing. Uh, so education and discussion are the two things that will solve this problem. So you have to educate kids, and you got to educate people in general, about American history, black history, Asian history, Hispanic history, all the histories. And that's the other inconvenient fact uh, that people like to ignore is the Asian uh, plight against the black man's plight, right? And how Asians are now very, very successful and not so much uh, for black Americans. But I digress. Uh, so 1865, you say slavery, I say civil war. Uh, 1960s, you say Jim Crow, um, I say... Uh, 1940 to 1960, um, blacks were the most successful. They were not the most successful, but they progressed the most from 40 to 60, and then urban or democratic policies destroyed their livelihood. You do you listen to any Thomas Sowell uh, uh, arguments or statistical arguments, the numbers in 1960 were better, if not the same, than they are in, in 2020 or 2015. Um, the, the big detracting factor that everybody likes to fucking bat a blind eye to, is that in 1960, 21% uh, of the families um, uh, were fatherless in the black community. Now it's like 70%. And whites and Hispanics are following quite quickly behind, or they're following, like we're heading towards those numbers when it comes to um, uh, fatherless homes uh, in the community in 2020. Whites and Hispanics are doing that, and which will be the, the detriment. So you'll see a bunch of the same shit in... Um, uh, the white and Hispanic community that you'll see you've, that you've been seeing in the black community uh, for the last 50 years, like that's that's going to be a problem. Um, uh, the the war on drugs and the incarceration rates are just detrimental, fucking horrifically bad. Uh, the crack cocaine study was is extremely racist, um, where uh, whites would have cocaine, nothing would happen to them. And then blacks would have crack, and they would get fucking the door slammed on them. Three strikes and you're out policy in California. Um, I'm all for uh, hard policing when it comes to violent crimes, maybe distribution crimes, stuff like that. But we should legalize drugs 1,000%, release all the uh, petty offense, uh, petty drug offenses uh, personnel uh, in the federal and state systems, get them out. 
and yeah, hard hard talk has to be um, had has to be had about giving those individuals money that they lost wages on. Like, so I'm up for that conversation whenever it happens. So Colin Kaepernick, like you sit there with a straight face and you move the goalpost because he kneeled against the American flag, and you're like, oh, he's been kneeling for police brutality. Bullshit. He's kneeling against Amer- the American flag, and he said it as much because he he's shown his cards. And it's like, oh, yeah, protests are great. Fucking anarchy. Yay, woo, Antifa. Uh, cops are pigs. Like, on his, like, no, he's not the arbiter be-all Jesus. He is the Jesus of the racism God, or the malevolent racism God, but uh, that, that's a bad prophet to follow. If he truly wanted to, you know, narrow it down and do a protest, and albeit for me to tell people how to protest, but if he was going to be effective or actually protest against police brutality, he would have had all names, races, creeds, colors of people that have been subject to police brutality on his uh, on his protest. But no, he knelt against the flag, and he knew exactly what he was doing, and other people co-opted it as, a, oh, it's a stand against police brutality. Now, if you kneel against the flag, you kneel against everything that uh, America stands for. And, well, uh, the other people that uh, saying, now you're listening— Great. Great. Yeah. Thanks for taking us back a few steps uh, when violence was used to solve all issues back in the wild, wild west, right? So that's where you want to head. That's how you want to deal with it. Yeah, you're right. People are listening. And yeah, I guess that the next thing we do when somebody says something you don't like, you just fucking burn something down. So, well, well great for you. Uh, yeah, okay. So back to, back to the fact that this shit is a religion. Uh, virtual signaling is designed to separate you from non-believers. So kneel as a white person in front of, uh, front of you know BLM, and suggest that America's racist. And if you don't, you're not virtuous. And if you do, you're not virtuous either, right? Um, well, if if you don't, you're not virtuous to the BLMs. But if you do and you think you're virtuous, you are f- f- very mistaken. It's not a virtuous act to blame other people and say, "Not me, not me." You paint your window seal and go ask for Passover so the uh, god of death doesn't come and grab you or the BLM or malevolent god of racism doesn't come and grab you. It's not virtuous that you do that. It's just you separating yourself from people that won't do that. Um, you're not taking a sin. You're abrogating your responsibility and saying that non-believers um, are responsible for the sins of the past. And that you're not responsible for the sins of the past, but those that do not do what you do are responsible for the sins of the past. And how can you have the moral stance of blaming the son for the sins of the father? Um, If you kneel and pledge your devotion to religion or the BLM, you're just saying, leave me alone. Get those other white folk. Um, What was amazing is that... uh, Germany, there were protests here, protests all around. Like Belgium, they got rid of one of their statues. Um, I don't think they have a leg to stand on, to be honest. Uh, The Jews had to be, like uh, Europe in general, with the Jews. It's a big problem. It's a sticking point. And uh, last time I checked, Jews were a race, right? Uh, They're just Asian, they're black, they're white. Uh, Jews is its own subset of uh, race. So Europe can just go fucking get bent. So don't mind it, yeah. Uh, China putting their foot under Hong, Hong Kong under its thumb, yeah. No pre- no no protest for that. Um, just America's racist. That's what we're going to protest against. We all agree, I guess, that America's bad 
because it's a leader of Western civilization. And the first article of faith of BLM is that America's bad, it's always been bad, and it will always be bad and evil. So if we can all march together, we can separate ourselves from the evil stench of Western civilization. And then, I don't know, it just got abrogated and stolen from the, from the march, from, the, from an actual legit grievance and issue, um, the maltreatment or mistreatment of George Floyd and his death, and Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna Taylor. So COVID's back in the news, <laughs> just in time, right? Uh, when it was, when it's politically convenient, the media, like, was all over the protests, riots, and looting, and now it's not politically convenient because they've run, they're running out of steam, and not many people are caring. Like, they care, but, I mean, it's, it's not as pervasive an issue. So they're already writing articles like, oh, COVID's back. COVID up, you be prepared, be whatever. Ready to get ready for COVID. In the same breath, the same breath, people said that people that protested the lockdowns of COVID were evil terrorists and they were going to promulgate the spread and all this other fun stuff. They supported the protest and the rioting and the looting because people just had to be heard and they had a right to protest. And Cuomo was up, well, tell me where, tell me where it has to be peaceable. Tell, tell me where it says anywhere and what doctrine where people have to, when they go out and protest, they have to be nice about it. In the Constitution, dummy, it says you have the right to peaceably protest. Okay, buddy. Walk away. So, oh, and Cuomo, another guy, did all of his, uh, you know, systemically racist, America's st- systemically racist stuff using statistics from 2016. When who was president? You betcha. Um, so, yeah. That's, so, that's what we're going to do, right? We're going to say in the same breath that you can't protest against COVIDs and lockdowns, but the but uh, racism is, or systemic racism as a public health crisis. So, and it's more severe than uh, COVID, so people have a right to go protest. And now, if you don't want to obey the lockdown orders, which is kind of where everybody's head's at, and you're not going to pay attention to any Second, minute, second Amendment laws, which is what's kind of headed at, and you're not going to pay any attention to any lockdown stuff and just go wide open, oh, then you're just a part of the problem and blah, 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 and all that narrative and stuff. So just assemble a protest. Open up your restaurant, open up your bar, and say that you're protesting, and you should be fine, right? Should be great. Uh, But the stock market is not doing anything. Like, I'm a complete retard when it comes to the stock market because it is not doing anything. I guess it's pricing everything in, and if the stock market's still up like it is, it's priced in the riots, it's priced in COVID, it's priced in everything. I've, I've been expecting it to fall down to zero for many, many, many years, and this kind of adds to my theory that it's all funny money in the stock market because it's just not paying attention to what's going on. All the loss of production, all the loss of GDP, uh, unemployment was up to 139 or 14.9%. Apparently, the Bureau of Labor Statistics missed or fudged number, so it's actually 16.9%, but it was a crazy jobs report uh, last time. Don't get it. Um, so yeah, I'm completely retarded when it comes to the economy, and there should be insane amount of loss of money, but I'm just, I'm just I, don't, I don't get it. Uh, media's terrible. China sucks. Joe Biden bad. Uh, and a book review coming up quite shortly. Okay, um, so yes, the media is bad. 
yes, China sucks, and yes, Joe Biden's a tard. But <clears throat> that I, I, I say all that just to say that I read a book, folks. Um, I grabbed a book thinking it was the full book, and apparently it's part one or just one volume of three. So I read, I think it's part part one and part two of the first volume, 600-some-odd pages, Gulag Archipelago. Highly recommend that you read it. It's kind of a tough read, bobbing and weaving it a couple of times, but it's just a fucking insane book, and it tells you basically everything you need to know about where you're headed and why you need to speak up and start talking now about everything that's going on. Silence shapes history. Um, it's not violence, uh, but you are uh, you are consenting to what's going on if you're quiet. So, at least in that aspect, I agree. But there's in no shape, form, or fashion is speech violence. But it does shape and make things real uh, when you talk and, and uh, define things. That's that's why the uh, religion metaphor for what's going on was so powerful. I didn't quite understand it. Was kind of confused by it. And then when um, it like when when it was cased as a religion, it made sense. But the so the Gulag Archipelago, the volume one, written by uh, Alexander Solzhenitsyn, is his basically chronicle of what happened in the Soviet uh, Soviet state um, in from 19 was it 1905 to about 1960 uh, so he details at least in this first volume details all the craziness uh, that went on uh, in the Soviet and underneath the socialist uh, utopia or republic which is what would happen in the states if somebody took over uh, the, the cats from Chaz they've already shown their true colors in 72 hours uh, if there's any power vacuum, there'll be a scramble. Millions have to die. Um, and when you topple a system, millions have to die. The non-believers have to go. So I'd be one of the first in the New World Order or the New America. Um, but this book just kind of details it out in the first 650-some-odd pages. He was an artillery officer, um, well-decorated, uh, running through, and uh, he, he kind of goes through it all. He had written a letter and sent it back, so he got pulled off the line and was a, a political prisoner. And he details how he basically had guilt because he was an officer and he was proud of his country and there's no way he could do anything. But it kind of woke his eyes up uh, quite quickly because he was uh, treating a, a German that was walking with him and the prisoners um, quite bad. And then as, uh, it didn't hit him until a sergeant had talked shit to him and just basically stripped off his collar boards and didn't kind of get what was going on. Then he reaches out and talks about all the uh, interrogation techniques, and you think you're strong uh, until they go on, and you think you can whistle your way out of and do all these things, and you think you can just be quiet, and you think you can do whatever until they torture you. And there's many ways that uh, you can torture or be tortured to get you to say or write or do anything that you want to do. He, he labels the horrible prison conditions. And then the fact that they had to be kept alive as prisoners based on the fact that they needed to dig canals or do whatever because nothing else could be done. Uh, uh, I didn't hear any mention of or read any mention of, or maybe I missed it, the uh, uh, starving. Uh, but there was definitely a lack of, you know, everything. You got your you got your gruel, you got your ounces of bread, all the maltreatment and mistreatment. But they never mentioned any of this. Uh, starving in the Ukrainians when they destroyed the breadbasket in the Soviet Union. But uh, he goes through all that, uh, all the transfers, how bad they are when you're transferring from prison to prison, and then he spends two years uh, in a prison. He also details how he got his sentence, which is basically arbitrary. Um, he, he, he details the walk as one of the first times he got out into the courtyard. 
they take you to this uh, front loading train area or this front building where you really don't know what's going to happen. Are you going to get shot? Uh, are you going to be freed? Are you going to be whatever? And then they pull the first guy out and he comes back with his blank stare in his face and they're like, oh, I got five years. Uh, and they just arbitrarily assigned a five-year sentence to him. And he was still shell-shocked because everybody's laughing and just incredulous about what was going on. Um, Alexander Solzhenitsyn got an eight-year sentence, um, and then everybody else got like 10s, 20s, 25s for various and sundry things. He talks about how inside the prisons, the, the thieves and the political prisoners and everybody, how they behave, so it's like a war in and of itself inside a prison. And the only thing that kind of saved him because uh, he would have been hard labor camps, was the fact that uh, he wrote that he was a nuclear s physicist or scientist, and they were doing the atom bomb project, or looking to try to spin up to keep up with America. So they actually they took all their their uh, intelligence, uh, uh, teachers, uh, political prisoners, everybody, anybody that spoke out, and so it was like they're farmers, they're competent people. Um, he talks about one where there's a water main. A guy, a political prisoner, that got pulled out. And this guy ran the entire Moscow water system. And anytime there was a failure, the state could never be wrong. So you could not question the state, much like what's going on in China. You can never question the state, uh, even if they do something wrong. And if you have any competence where you're keeping the state afloat, they don't care. They just, if you question the state, you're gone. So they detail about how the, the guy that ran the Moscow water system got hemmed up in the system. And then, then now there were Moscow water problems. And it's not the state's fault. It was due to sabotage of the guy that ran the system uh, flawlessly for 30-some-odd years. Farmers got caught up in it, students, uh, children, um, everybody. Anybody that spoke out or was a, a problem in the state, or if some of the blue blue coats said, hey, you got a nice wife, or you got a nice car, or you got a nice this, that, and the other, you're gone in the system so they can uh, grab your wife, grab your car, grab your house, grab your whatever. And that's what it was like in the political system or the prison system of the Soviet Union. Um, so he signs his, uh, he, he details another thing about the COLA. Uh, almost, there was almost an, a revolt because basically very well-liked people in a village, a remote village up north in Russia, got roped into the problem set with the, uh, uh, the blue coats that went up there. And they were, they were wondering why, uh, I guess they were doing a collectivist or socialist system where they were actually passing everything out and uh, the people were self-sufficient, so they went out there to figure out why or what was going on or why they weren't getting their tax money or whatever was going on. They went out there and they roped up uh, three people, uh, and then uh, they were going to—they basically held a town square because they were trying to make it legit, and you have to curb the masses, and you got to make sure that the uh, politic is in, and you got to make sure that the public is on with it. And this was one of the failures of the Soviet Union. Like, they have their Pravda system basically throwing out articles— day in and day in and day out about, hey, how everything's bad and everything's this, that, and the other. And they would take those articles into the courts and be like, hey, look, Johnny Bad was like doing this, that, and the other. Let's get him. And they executed two of them out of the three, and they almost had a revolt in that in that city. So he goes back. He basically uh, feigns as a nuclear physicist or scientist, and that's kind of where it ends, where he's in the group of individuals uh, were very brilliant people, very capable people um, that just had no nothing different than political leanings from Stalin, got roped up in a system and crushed the intellectual, um, technological, and just basically millions and millions of lives had to go down 
based on a political system that does not reward competence. It rewards loyalty. So sounds a lot like what the fuck's going on right now. So uh, that's the end of the podcast. Uh, I'm going to outro with Bill Maher, uh, 80-20, zero defect. Uh, Bill Maher is a broken clock. He Even a broken clock is right uh, twice a day, right? So I agree with about 90, 90% of the stuff he says there. Uh, he, he makes one allusion to, like, admit white privilege. No, fuck you. Never going to happen. I will admit, the most I will do is I'll admit that my life experience is different than yours. I'm not privileged. I'm not anything less. Like, I have a life experience. You have a life experience. Like, I'm just not going to understand you. And you're not going to understand me. So treat me with respect and decency, and I shall do the same to you. Have a great day, and yeah, stay classy, San Diego. And finally, new rule. White liberals have to start listening to me when I tell them, you can't be more offended than the victim. It happened again last week when presidential contender Andrew Yang faced criticism because he said that SNL should not have fired comedian Shane Gillis over racist comments Gillis made about Asians. That's when the internet did what it does best and deemed Yang a racist for, n- <laughs> for not being offended. Because if he wasn't offended, well, someone had to be. <laughs> There was a study done last year where people were asked to rate their feelings about various races, and white liberals were the only group that has a bias against themselves. (laughs) They want to hang out only with people who are not them. That's like your mother preferring the neighbor's kids. There is a (laughs) weird self-loathing going on among white liberals, and it's not helping anyone. Lifting up those whose society has cheated or forsaken, that's liberalism. Hating all things white is just tedious virtue signaling. You look like Justin Timberlake in Bad Teacher. I just hate slavery so, so much. Slavery's the worst. If I could go back in time and undo slavery, I would. I hate it. The answer to mass incarceration is to stop putting undeserving blacks in prison, not to put more white people in Twitter jail. Every thought needs a disclaimer now. The other day I heard a guy say, I realize I'm only speaking as a white male and I acknowledge our tragic history of oppression, uh, but you left your lights on. Look, white privilege is real. And yes, you have some advantages for being white, but you also have some disadvantages. Many of you were born with a terrible personality. I didn't ask for that. I'm Aww. sorry. They knew. You know they what? Knew. No, that's no. I'm well, sorry. I'll fire the director. <laughs> but folks, you don't need to advertise it. What's what's with the I'm embarrassed to be white subgenre on the internet? I'm finding myself constantly embarrassed to be white. I'm watching Tall Girl. I've never been so embarrassed to be white. Retweet if you're embarrassed to be white. Jesus fuck. Rosanna Arquette tweeted, I'm sorry I was born white and privileged. It disgusts me, and I feel so much shame. (laughs) Exactly.
You think it's hard being a black man in a white man's world? Try being a white woman who feels bad about you being a black man in a white woman's world. Look, none of us chose to be born white. Not even Ed Sheeran. So just stop. Because you know what might be the worst part of white shame? You bore the fuck out of black people at parties. I know. And he learned how to dance. You meet black people and say things like, Black Panther was so meaningful to me. No, it wasn't. It wasn't a cultural milestone for you. I have taken an informal sampling among some black folks I know, and the consensus seems to be awareness, yes, is great. White people certainly should acknowledge they've had an easier go of it. But black folks are not asking whites to always be flagellating themselves because it makes everything awkward. <laughs> awkward. It puts the burden on black people to absolve you. It's really... It's... It's, it's really asking black people to, again, do something for you. Forgive me. Absolve me. Recognize that I'm one of the good white people. Jesus. Haven't black people suffered enough slavery? Jim Crow, and now, now I gotta make some yuppie feel better about himself? As a black friend of mine said, and I quote, I'm doing aight. I don't need your pity. Here's my question. How many white liberals would pay actual reparations? Real money taken out of your paycheck every week. If you really feel this bad about the whole race thing, if being white is really this toxic for society, let's tax it. <laughs> let's tax whiteness. A hunky tax. We'll do it like carbon offsets. We'll calculate your exact level of white lameness <laughs> and then charge, <laughs> then charge you a Caucasian offset fee based on a mean percentage of household income indexed to the net, not gross national product, and averaged with the consumer price index. We will come up with just the right dollar figure to offset the exact amount of you being a fucking loser. <laughs> A lame, white loser. Now pay up, you fucking white piece of shit. You fucking worm. I mean, that's what you want to hear, isn't it? Isn't it, maggot, you fuck? You want to be told what a disgusting piece of white shit you are, you white piece of shit? Look. In conclusion... I just want to say, America has done a lot of good things and a lot of bad ones, and the number one bad one, with no close second, is racism. It's a sorry history, and we're not done with it. And yet, black and white increasingly intermingle. We get to the finish line on race by just being with each other more. We don't need awkward. We need laughing with each other, finding out what's good about each other, befriending, intermarrying, enjoying somebody's company without thinking every minute, I'm with a person of color. <laughs> You're with a person. You... <laughs> and
And you are not uncool just because you're white, and it is not a crime to know all the words to Sweet Caroline. 